Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Greetings, you've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Thank you, Michael, for that intro. By the way, <laughs> it's, it's 5.59, bro. <laughs> People are wondering. Okay. This is VUC 5.59, 18th of September, 19, uh, eight, uh, 2015. I'm confused. Anyway, sorry about that. Anyway, um, hopefully, Michael, you've got the Astrakhan slide ready uh which is right here october 13th to 15th in orlando florida ladies and gentlemen where you're going to meet fred a very long time friend of ours and his lovely wife they'll be there david duffett will be there uh i think tim Patton might be there he's not sure but he's kind of nodding his head anyway do we have a um is there a tad hack thing to talk about no no tad hack i'm afraid Anyway. Well, there is. There no, is. I mean, it's just verbal, uh, vocal. Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, it's on the 3rd and 4th of, uh, of October in Chicago at the Illinois Institute of Technology. This particular one is uh, focusing more on the, the Internet of Things, so it should be interesting. As opposed to the Internet of Stings. Okay. And, and immediately after that, there's the um, IIT have a conference on real-time communication which is a sort of slightly more academic follow-up to the hackathon, or you could see it the other way around, but the hackathon is a less academic lead into it. Um, and I'm... Uh, that would be one very good reason to go. And all of that ties in together with uh, Astrakhan afterwards. Our guest today, Bill Simon. Bill, hello. Good afternoon. <laughs> there I am. <laughs> Happy to have you. Yeah, you're a little. Uh, I should explain if anybody's watching the video that uh, Bill is a little bit out of sync because we had some problems earlier. But he's here and he's ready to answer your questions, mine, and everybody else's. So we're going to get started. Uh, Bill, if you've listened to a couple of these, you may know that we often ask people how they got involved in technology in the first place. Your first introduction to either technology or to VoIP or telephony or any of that stuff. You want to you want to share any of that with us? Sure. Um, yeah, technology. I came at the at voice over IP, not from the telephony side of things, but more from the data side, um, working through computer engineering in college. 
and getting into IT. And in IT, I found a niche in voice over IP, came to sort of love the idea of unified communications. And uh, here I am today. This is, this is where I, what I call my home, the voice over IP realm. Okay, and the reason you're here, at least what attracted me, uh, attracted you to my attention, my radar, was the Google Voice to SIP gateway. And that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. So I guess my first question on that would be what possessed you to do that? You must have had some love for XMPP, SIP, or Google Voice. <laughs> Not uh, Well, no, no great love for XMPP, to tell you the truth. So back in, I guess it was 2010, I think FreeSwitch was the first of the open source projects to, to make a working connector to Google Voice. And that was cool. But FreeSwitch wasn't as, as widely used at that time as Asterisk. And uh, a lot of Asterisk users were kind of clamoring for the opportunity to connect to Google Voice natively using a voice over IP type of connection rather than there was more of a callback method. Like we initiate a call out to Google Voice, it calls us back over a uh, PSTN line. Uh, in 2011, that, that technology was maturing more. And the Google Voice gateway came about. Um, I guess it was about November, October, November of 2011. I think at the time the module for Asterisk was still a bit immature, but both FreeSwitch and then Yate, the Yate open source server, had very good, very stable connectors to Google Voice. And so I developed the Google Voice gateway based on Yate, and it first offered it in the PBX in a Flash forum for other Asterisk enthusiasts to connect to Google Voice using a SIP connection. And from that point, I, I thought at first it would be a small project that uh, some other asterisk <laughs> users would enjoy it. And it turns out it became very popular with those using IP phones or ATAs. And so that's the primary use today is folks with IP phones or ATAs connecting directly to Google Voice. And it's no secret that, um, and now I can't remember their name, uh, <laughs> the hardware box, help me out. Obi High. Obi High. Wow. Little, little hole in the memory there. That OBI has been doing that uh, for well, probably since the same time frame, pretty much. Right. Um, I think the question, question that comes to mind very often uh, in everyone's mind is that Google had announced pretty much the death of the connection of XMPP with Google Voice. Uh, by the way, before I even get to that, you already know what the question is, but. I recall that Dan York published a thing saying that, in fact, there were SIP URIs you could call directly to talk to Google Voice, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, am I remembering that right? Does, can anybody confirm that? There was some connection, inherent connection with SIP. And then it lasted like two days, and then he wrote back and yes. said, uh, it's dead. looks like, Tim, you had a comment. Yeah, no, I, I'm just going to say that it vanished within a couple of days. It right. seemed like an accidental config mistake on somebody's part rather than a, a deliberate feature. Right. But, I mean, obviously that was the need that Bill just mentioned, which is that as soon as, you know, anybody who is uh, regular here or anybody who's into this space at all, I think the first thing that comes to your mind is how do we talk SIP to this thing? And that's been true of Hangouts, too, by the way. So I don't know um, what conclusions we need to take from the fact that Google just doesn't like to connect to SIP for whatever reason, but they have... Burn that bridge as they came to it, so to speak. So Bill, <laughs> Bill has uh, kindly provided 
a system to do it. By the way, we should give the URL. What's your preferred URL for this, Bill, to, to sign up? Sure. Our, our website is simonics.com, S-I-M-O-N-I-C-S.com. And right now, the way things are working, uh, last I saw anyway, uh, there is a very, very modest setup charge, and then that's it, right? That's all. Really, um, the, the service is not extremely expensive to run. And in the past, I actually ran it for three years from 2011 until 2014 on a donations-only basis. And many kind donors uh, helped to cover the operations costs of uh, several gateway servers and uh, bandwidth charges and, in fact, our uh, CNAM caller name lookup feature. Mm-hmm. Um, all over, all with donations. But this, moving forward, I decided to to have a, a modest setup fee, um, just to to kind of cover things up front. You pay once, and then you can use it for the lifetime of the service or the lifetime of Google Voice allowing us to connect to their service. So this is a question that comes up quite frequently: is how long will this last? And you commented earlier about sort of the mystery that is Google and Google Voice and and I agree. I have no insider knowledge. We're doing just the same as Obihi is doing. I don't believe that they have any particular insider knowledge either. The only knowledge that we have is that Google was concerned about about the insecure login method previously used for us to connect to Google Chat XMPP. Now we use the OAuth2 token mechanism, and this has received Google's approval. Okay. I'm going to put up a slide. This is actually just a simple uh screen share of uh, the page that talks about this and the features. Um, and because actually, as insiders, we're all talking about this and we all know what we're talking about. But in fact, if somebody just happens to tune into this and has a Google Voice account, they may not have any idea what we're actually referring to. And what we're talking about is connecting a SIP phone, in other words, an endpoint, we call them, or a, you mentioned ATA, I can never remember what that stands for, but it's a box that connects a normal phone to, uh, it turns it into SIP and will talk to servers. So it'll talk, maybe you have a company PBX or something. Well, with OBHI or with the service from, uh, from uh, Simon Telephonics, you can connect to your Google Voice account. And it makes a huge difference. It's, it's really excellent. So I don't know if you should go through these. You mentioned CNAM. Uh, which is on incoming caller ID name, sure. you can uh, route your Google device to any SIP URI, which means that if you have an office number that ends, that is a SIP URI, meaning my name at mycompany.com, you could actually forward your Google Voice number to that, um, to that PB, to your PBX, basically. Right. ATA is, uh, Lauren says ATA analog tel- telephony adapter. Those are such a, it's such an old concept. I couldn't remember what it was. Thank you, Lauren. Anyway, uh, Bill, go ahead. What, your comments on the feature set here that we're looking at, if you like. Sure. I think that this, the feature set that we offer is, is geared toward, uh, the, the casual user or toward the hacker. You know, I think the hackers might like the, the SIP URI routing. If, but if you just want to have an IP phone, you want to go and buy a, an off-the-shelf Cisco, Cisco Linksys or a Polycom phone or a E-Link or some, some phone uh, that you receive after you sign up for the Google Voice Gateway service, a username, a password, and a server to connect to. And in most devices, it's, it's easy enough to figure out where to plug that information in. 
and immediately be connected. If you want to do more with it, you want to route to a SIP URI, you want to connect multiple SIP devices to the service, you can do that as well. So we provide sort of a feature set for, for everybody. The caller ID name came about just simply because whenever you receive calls from Google Voice, there is never a CNAM associated with it, only the number. So we uh, partner with uh, a CNAM provider to, to inject that in on incoming calls if it's available. And that's also made this service somewhat popular, actually, with OBHI users. Even though they could connect to Google Voice natively with their devices, some of them have chosen uh, to use our service because we add these extra features on. Someone just asked in uh, IRC if you hear a relay click when you make a call on the ATA. I don't know if that's even a serious question because I haven't, I haven't had an ATA in my life ever. A relay click. Never owned one. Um, I don't know. Do they have I relays? Any, any sort of noises? <laughs> well, I, I suppose. <laughs> um, I, I haven't noticed it myself. Does anybody remember those Cipera phones that have become Linksys? Uh, because they used to make ATAs, and uh, they were very popular ATAs. But they made that phone, which turned into Linksys, and it's it's they've got to be available for five bucks on uh, hmm. on eBay or someplace now. That's a great phone, and it would be great for use with this gateway. Really excellent. Uh, Lawrence says, I make a lot of calls on OB-110 and never heard the click. You know, I have an OB sitting right over here, but I haven't hooked it up because I don't have an analog phone in the house. <laughs> Terrible to say. And you can't find them, by the way, anywhere now. It's very hard to find them. You'd have to go to a junk shop or something. Sure. Now, I have my usual question, which uh, comes about because um, I actually have an OB, one of their IP phones, sitting over here. And uh, I had heard tell that uh, Google Voice now will support, um, I think it was Opus, and that OB have actually implemented Opus in their, uh, in their not the ATAs, but in the IP phones. Do you have any knowledge of this? I, I don't have any knowledge of that. Um, I'll look into that. That's very interesting information. Our gateways, they, we really have a very limited codec selection either G711 MULAW or GSM. The reason for that limited selection is, um, well, one is efficiency. So far, Google Voice has only offered native G711 as its, as its codec. So to avoid transcoding, that's what we use on our end as well. GSM came about because some users, um, including myself, I'm on this crummy DSL connection with low bandwidth, needed something a little bit more, a little bit more uh, um, passable, a little bit more compressed. And so we offer GSM as well, and uh, the, the transcoding cost on the servers is minimal for that. Uh, Opus sounds like a good option. I'll have to look into it. Yeah, um, and apparently, so if you're calling you know, between two Google Voice numbers, uh, you're not going PSTN. Uh, it's basically a non-net call, and you can, you can do um, great things, which is wonderful for podcasters and the like who want to sustain their audio quality. You know, by the way, you're not the voice of Bill Simon. So in the truth of advertising part, Michael, when you speak, you should probably switch back. Tim, did you have a comment on the Opus? Because you may know something about it. Opus and Google Voice. I, I don't, actually. Um, I'd be, um, yeah, interesting. I wonder I wonder how that plays out, actually. Um, I mean, generally, it's not worth going to Opus unless you can get Opus all the way from one end to the other. If you're going to transcode to GSM in the middle or or 7.11 or something, you might as well, mostly, you might as well go all the way like that. The only exception is 
because its error correction is really good. So if you're somewhere where you think you might reasonably expect to drop like 10% of packets, then actually you might do better with Opus. But um, but that's pretty pretty unusual, one hopes. You know, um, if anybody remembers which Astrakhan Chris de Bona gave the the keynote, it, it was either uh, Phoenix or one of the yeah I think it was with Phoenix or Denver. Uh, what was funny about that is that I spoke to him afterwards, and I asked him about Google Voice, and he says, Google Voice, that's probably like, I think there's one guy working on that. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that's even possible, but ironically, the origin of Google Voice, wasn't that uh, um, Craig Walker? Grand Central. And his, uh, yeah. Grand Central, yeah, yep. who's right. been on several times, of course. So that's kind of funny. There were more people working on it when Craig was with it. Well, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't um, wouldn't rule out Google and Voice though, because um, as opposed to Google Voice, because if you look in the adverts, which one I I do, you'll see that um, Nest, which is a Google company, Nest Labs, is looking to recruit audio engineers. Presumably, they're going to do the same thing as Amazon's, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, spy in the living room. What's it called? Uh, Athena or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it called? Um, Alexia. Alexia. There you go. Is dyslexia? Slight, slightly yes. Anorexia. Slightly less threatening than the goddess of, of wisdom, but still fairly scary. Anyway. So is this? So is this going to be like you know you walk into the living room, and go, I want seventy degrees. Is that the what they're looking for? I think for? you're going to have to say okay, nest first. <laughs> okay, oh. nest. Give me seventy degrees. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Something about the whole Nest concept is unattractive to me, but, but that's me. Anyway, all right. So, with the understanding, Bill, that if Google tomorrow says, "Well, that's it," and pulls that big switch, uh, of course that'll be the end. Yeah. So that's it's that's true. A, that's a condition that yeah, that's a condition that we all have to accept. It's sort of built in, you know, and if you if you pay your $6 up front and you get uh, even a few months of use out of it, I'd say you've done pretty well. Most people, I think, will get more of more than just a few months of use out of it. So, uh, you know, I, I'd say it's there's there's some small risk in, in Google pulling the plug. But I understand that there are Google employees that really enjoy the Obihi devices and use them, and that may keep this whole connection uh, thing alive for for quite some time, as long as Obihi is, um, is is in the picture and, and still doing their thing, they must be lobbying, lobbying too, actually. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic, and I didn't hesitate for a second. I figured even if it was worth a month of uh, the kind of testing and fooling around that I do, it was already worth six dollars. You know, you how many lattes do you get at Starbucks for six bucks? <laughs> One and a half, or something. Not even, right? So that's that's a pretty reasonable cost. Hey, and it's the support um, is added on for free, um, but only <laughs> to a, to a certain extent. And I get lots of people that ask me about all kinds of different SIP devices, and there are as many SIP devices as there are grains of sand on the beach. So uh, sure. I'll do my best to help you uh, help you get your SIP device configured. But for the most part, you're on your own, or chat with the community first and see if you can get it figured out uh, before asking me, because I've just got a small number of devices here in my lab. Yeah, that, that's one of the other re- – I'm sorry, Tim. I just wanted to slide in because you mentioned support, that one of the reasons that I invited you, Bill, was because I had a question. I know that my first contact was actually support, and I asked a question. I don't remember what the problem was or what I was asking, 
But uh, the answer came within a couple of hours. So I was so impressed, I said, I've got to have this guy on. Go ahead, Tim. I was going to kind of delve into the politics of it slightly in the, in the sense of, do you get the feeling that the thing that's running at the other end of this is Yate? So is, is the reason that, you're, that Yate works really well with it because actually Yate is on both ends of the, of the, the wire? Or, or is that just vicious speculation on my part? I don't know. It could be speculation, but I do believe you were right. I remember during the time when, you know, when Google had inadvertently left those uh, SIP endpoints open that, that we discussed earlier in the call, that um, some some folks investigating that determined that it was Yates server running on Google's network. Well, um, I don't know whether it has anything to do with uh, with our compatibility uh, being so good or, or not, but uh, it, it could be. It could well be. I mean, we chose what Yate. What a shame that Diana the, isn't with us. I know. Yeah, I'd love to hear, hear her comments. But the reason that I chose Yate was because, um, and and Diana would probably would probably be be pleased to hear this. It's a very configurable platform, and it's it's very useful. Uh, we can cut out a lot of the, you know, XMPP is a very chatty protocol. We can cut out a lot of the unnecessary parts of that. Uh, a lot of the unnecessary features that generally come with open source uh, VoIP engines, just to do the the, the bare minimum. We're doing interop between SIP and Google XMPP and doing it well. That's the that's the whole idea. Incidentally, um, well, kind of an aside, didn't Diana work with or for Google at some point? Does anybody remember that? Seems to me she mentioned something about it. Yeah, she certainly, certainly mentioned that she was working for Google. Hmm. Well, there you go. It all comes out on the VUC. Hmm. Anybody have any questions? IRC, the VUC channel, uh, there's been some comments, but I don't see any questions yet, except for the relay ch chatter question, which I think may have been a joke, but I'm not sure. Um, I, I, was, I should really... I was actually wondering, what's the, what's the nature of, uh, of support stuff that you get beyond configuring SIP stuff? And, and it, you know, it, you must have experienced... Uh, almost all of us come up from the grassroots of... Uh, the asterisk VoIP world, free switch world, etc. You must have experienced some kind of interesting stuff in that realm. Uh, anything you can share? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I think most of the questions are 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 what I would call the very common VoIP problems questions. I get one-way audio, or I, I don't receive my incoming calls. It's typically because your firewall or your NAT is closing the connection and calls can't come in. You can still make outgoing calls. So I work with folks. I, I We offer TLS and TCP uh, transports for the gateway. Uh, some folks have a hard time with UDP. I say, let's switch to TCP. Let's use that instead. It keeps the session alive, and they have better results. Um, some folks have connected uh, Cisco Cube, the the unified border element with their Cisco router that acts as an SBC to the, to the service. Uh, that was an interesting challenge. I don't know much about that, but... They made it work. Um, folks have used it for, for their labs, just for basically free SIP trunking to, to run experiments or to, to have something to, to fall back on if they need a, a SIP trunk for such purposes. Um, yeah, mostly the common stuff. I try to put the common questions there, the FAQ, into an FAQ section on our site so that, uh, so that uh, it's not necessary to open support tickets. But... Um, yeah, nothing, nothing that comes to my mind that's it's terribly unusual. A couple of questions here in IRC, Bill. Uh, I think I know the answer to this. 
uh, Jungle Boogie asks, can you configure it with with Bria for for smartphones? Bria for smartphones. Um, if you if you mean can, can you configure it with with Bria as a what is Bria for smart, smartphones? First of all, is that something I haven't heard of? Well, if that's just Jungle a Boogie. Yeah, I'm familiar with the, with Bria, the SIP client. It's it's the the new name of the old XLite yeah. client, right? So, if it's a SIP client, it should work yeah. just fine. Yeah. Well, if it's oh, it's Bria that you put on smartphone. Bria, uh, meaning like Bria Android and Bria Bria iOS. Is that what you mean? Okay, he says yes. All right. So yeah, yeah, definitely. There's no reason yeah. why you couldn't configure Absolutely. a bill, right? Yeah, like any I said, SIP client, anything that's you use any, yeah. Any SIP client, like I said, anywhere from Cisco Cube to your common Cisco Linksys um, um, uh, entry-level VoIP phone, uh, anything. Or you can have your PBX uh, register. Sure, matter, asterisk. Right? Yeah, we have we do have some extra instructions in place for asterisk, um, offering secure inbound connections. Most providers will not authenticate back to a PBX, but. Uh, I've configured the Google Voice Gateway to authenticate back to your PBX if you like, and that way you can you can uh, whitelist based on authentication rather than just based on IP. Yeah, I think I remember something on a forum post or something I saw that floated by my eyes about not having to put insecure equals very or whatever those instructions. That was a while right. back, but exactly right. So yeah, that's 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 an excellent thing. Um, there was a question before that, uh, which was, oh yeah, Lauren's asking about your day job and whether the consulting service, because your site mentions consulting services. Are you consulting at the moment? I'm not taking any new clients right now. Um, I've, I'm in, in full-time employment, and so um, most of my work with the Google mm. Voice Gateway comes during during breaks, weekends, evenings, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I appreciate the, the 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 question anyway, and uh, perhaps again in the future. It's it's uh, it's a lot to juggle, um, but it's it's enjoyable. Well, I think this is a pretty good example of a project that shows a certain level of confidence in in that area, and I'm sure that's part of the reason you did it. Right. Not, yeah. It, it's not the rich. It's not. It's obviously not the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for you. So it must be that. Yeah, you see, charging uh, $6 per connection one-time fee isn't going to make me rich, but the idea, though, is just simply to mostly cover costs and maybe have an extra latte right. or two here and there. Well, I hope it is covering costs. Um, yes, any other questions so from anywhere? <laughs> any other questions from anywhere? I'm looking at, uh, we get a lot of familiar faces, not faces, but URIs on, uh, or SIP URIs on um, ZipDX. Nobody there has a question. You know, you can star six will toggle your mute state if you want to ask a question. Otherwise, my eyes move over to the IRC board. I don't see any questions there either. Incidentally, since uh, since Bill is joined via ZipDX and also via SIPURI, he's joining in wideband even though he's not in the Hangout, which is lovely and we appreciate the effort. Cool. True. And the uh, the sync difference, the lag is not actually that huge. I've actually um, gone from the voice of slide to Bill Live a couple of times. I didn't want it to be too confusing, but uh, it's actually a little like watching a foreign. It's like watching a Dracula movie in Italian. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, no, I mean I didn't mean the imagery. Obviously, sure. I meant the lag of the dub overdubbed. Uh, anyway. Or an Italian, actually, I meant an Italian Dracula movie 
dubbed in English would be, you know, how they go, well, you are my uncle. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. Anything else at all? Going once. Well, we managed to do 30, 31 minutes. That's pretty good. So did you know an interesting, weird fact about uh, dubbing in Germany, which is that the, the same actor does the voice acting for Ho the same Hollywood star. So if you get, um, if you spot, uh, you know, um, Harrison Ford very early on and you, and you get to be his voice double in Germany when he's playing in some art house movie and you, you, you capture that ground, then you get to be his voice double throughout his entire, um, career. So this is the bizarre luck of the draw that if you pick on, on somebody really, who turned out to be really famous early on and you get, you know, you're made for life. Which I, um, I found deeply surreal. But uh, there you go. Apparently, this is the thing. Um, nothing to do with what we're supposed to be talking about. Well, close enough. <laughs> Interesting subject, nonetheless. I can, I can, I can imagine a, a voice actor in Ger Germany doing Sean Connery um, in in Russian with a Scottish accent in German. It's ooh, that's a girl. I'm going to shut up. I'm confusing myself. All right. Speaking of confusing, Lauren in the IRC. If I read this, if I can get through this without stuttering, um, I'm not sure I understand the question, actually. But here it is. Lauren says, not a, Go not a Google Voice user, but I follow the endless iterations in the various asterisk slash free PBX forums on keeping things working. This, the Simonics Gateway Experience, these periodics, I think he meant does the does the gateway experience these periodic interruptions or does Yate take care of the bulk of these issues? I'm not sure which issues because if Google Voice dies, of course, Yate can't do anything about that. But anyway, interruptions, Simon, if you have a comp, uh, Simon, <laughs> Bill, sorry, if you have a uh, comment on that anyway. Yeah, you know, the we have serviceability. Yeah, honestly, we haven't seen them. The, there will be interruptions from time to time. They, I set up, uh, Redundant gateways, and uh, occasionally one, you know, you have network connectivity issues. I'm not promising five nines or four nines. Maybe, maybe we got three nines going as far as uh, if we're lucky some days. Um, but uh, the truth is that uh, I think that other people, whenever we're looking at asterisk, there's been a lot of experimentation with the the motif module, which is the one that connects to Google Voice. Uh, some folks have have done some great work injecting the OAuth two login mechanism into that module so that uh, so that from home if or from you know, your workplace if you're integrating with Google Voice you can use the more secure login method there have been some some trials and errors with that I know that that's been tricky to, to get working uh, Yate um, is quite stable it's a good stable platform and so we're very happy about that I haven't had to do any any sort of modifications to keep up with with changes on, on Google there I don't think they've changed their XMPP implementation um, anytime recently. In theory, really, Google shouldn't be going up and down daily like uh, a site that's overrun. I mean, they have a huge network and they, you know, they would be as robust as anybody you can think of. Google, Amazon, maybe Microsoft, maybe Apple, pretty good. Uh, those are the networks that I have used uh, very often in over the years and I mean, mostly they're pretty, they're pretty uh, dependable. So, um, I'm looking to see if uh, any other questions. I don't see questions in IRC. Again, star six if you want to unmute and say something in, hang in um, ZipTX. 
I will mention that I tried another zip, another SIP gateway to uh, Google Voice not that long ago. Someone mentioned it to me on Google Plus and um, tried it. I don't think there was any cost to associated with it, but it was on. I got it to work like one time, and then it was off. And then um, the other person said, well, it's still working for me, but then it went off for him the next day. And uh, I'm not sure what this was based on, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, really working that fantastic. And it never did work again, and it had a robotic voice that was going, there's a problem connected to your Google account and so on. Um, which reminds me, you had a previous. The previous version, Bill, was a version that didn't that didn't use OAuth two or whatever. Is that what the previous version that you talk about on the site was? Right, and the you know it, it, exactly the issue with that was that it used um, uh, essentially plain text uh, login over over right. their you know SSL encrypted uh, um, XMPP client, but still we had to keep people's credentials on hand uh, to, to mm -hmm. perform those logins, which was never, I was never a fan of that. It, it worked. Uh, I was glad when they announced the OAuth 2, but it did take some time to figure out the way to integrate that into the into the engine. So that's that was some of the, some of the delay between the time that Google announced uh, OAuth 2 logins for, for chat and when we got to where we were. It's funny because Andy Smith, who's with us on the call, um, I was telling him that I was trying to connect to Google with something. I don't remember what. And Google w sent me a warning saying that a client, I was using an insecure client trying to, an app, you know, trying to connect to their services. This was some really legitimate thing, something I knew about. And uh, his reflection was, uh, in, he translated, you seem to be using an insecure app or client to connect to Google. With what? Do you remember what you said, Andy? Uh, I think it was it was something along the lines of uh, we we cannot actually glean any information from your device, therefore we don't wish you to use it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. I can't quite remember what it was I was trying to do, but whatever it was, I kind of gave up. By the way, Google um, in their email. Uh, well, first of all, Google domains. I have a domain at Google. I like to test these services, so I tested Google domains. You can register a domain. And they don't have SMTP service, or if they do, it doesn't work to send mail. Long story short, and the relationship to our current topic with uh, OAuth 2 and securing, uh, connecting uh, securely to Google is that they don't allow you to connect. They don't give you the option to connect in that way unless you use two-step authentication. Now, don't get me started, but two-step authentication may be very secure and wonderful, but what a pain in the ass. I mean, why would you want to have something that calls you and sends you a message every time? So anyway, that's enough of that. Point is that Google, I don't like Google forcing us to use two-step authentication. And if it ever gets to the point where they go, well, now you have to use it or you can't use our account, then I'm going to just move everything off because I do what I want and, uh, you know, you take the risks and you you, you spend your money and you take your chances or however that expression goes. Anyway, so I so feel in, your pain. In, in defense of Google on that one, they, they have a – I think their issue there is that they need to be – Get your information. No, well, that also. But 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 I think in, in fairness to them, I think the issue is that in trying to sell Google for business, they don't want a constant plethora of people saying, I've had my account hacked. Right. And they, and they, they, that, um, you know, 
they need a, a clean image on that, um, and they need to to have tried to to do what is current best practice, and they want to encourage you to do current best practice. And, and I mean, the recent thing in in um, WebRTC, which is that come uh, turn of the year, WebRTC, you won't be able to make calls with Chrome from WebRTC unless the domain you're loading the JavaScript from is HTTPS. So you will only be able to run it. Uh, um, uh, you'll only be able to run WebRTC from a secure, a quote secure site. Um, and that, you know, it's the same sort of thing. They don't want people saying, oh, well, I was conned into opening my cam um, by somebody who we can't trace now. Um, so th there's, you know, they've got a reputation to try and um, protect. And and they don't make any money off you directly. So, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of, you know, I actually agree with you. The whole, I mean, I got locked out of my Google account while I was at Burning Man because... I was building a mobile network and then I had to use a mobile network in order to get the auth credentials in order to log in and get the details that I needed. So I actually got myself locked into this kind of deadlock of needing the credentials in order to build the network in order to get the credentials. So I just gave up and looked some other way. But but so yeah, I'm not a huge fan of two factor authentication in some circumstances. But in principle, I think it's something we should uh, encourage in one way or another. But you have to find the right. Find the right two-factor device, basically, for your I, usage. I like the idea of the fob. Uh, I've never seen one, and I don't own one. But this idea of a of a device that you it's hardware that you can carry. Of course, if you don't, if you forgot it someplace, you're screwed, obviously. But, I have uh, two fobs. I actually, I agree. How do you, how do you like that? Um, uh, so I liked them a lot initially, and then they started upgrading. So the but the original fob I had was, um, I guess it was a. Was it RSA? I forgot what they were called now. The FOBs Secure ID, were they called? Mm -hmm. That they all, everybody had. And, and that was just like you pressed a single button and it would give you six digits. And you type those in and you were done. Um, and I, that was fine. And then they upgraded them so that you had to put in a pin. So you now have a proper keypad and you put a pin in to unleash the token and it gives you six digits, which you then type in. And that... That started to be annoying, but it's not as annoying as the emulation of them on phones. Um, the emulation of that, that process on a phone turns out to be the most irritating thing I've ever used, probably. Um, and so I'm, anyway, little rant over there. And I'm just looking at their site, because I didn't realize that was an RSA thing, which is now EMC, I guess. And, yeah, so they're doing it on How does it work on phones? I mean... Well, I know if Mr. Mr. Bodie was here, he'd be uh, t um, champing at the bit and, and talking about authentication as, uh, as a service from your mobile phone operator. So you, you've got your phone. It's already um, logged in and authenticated using sophisticated cryptographics. Mm -hmm. So why do you need any further authentication? You just take the authentication from the mobile phone operator. Because somebody stole your phone. Moreover, okay, I, I, am not, I am not trusting of my mobile phone operator in that oh, fashion. Yeah. <laughs> because I, trust I, I, do, I do not have a Moo phone. Uh, I do, and I trust mine. <laughs> Let me just respond quickly to what Tim said, because I, I understand, you know, of course I understand uh, what they're trying to do, and it's, it's, uh, that's, that's all very well and good. Um, I think we do need to have the decision of whether to use a two-step. Two-step would be interesting to me, but 
I don't get it. I mean, what if you don't have any connectivity and you're trying to do something? Well, of course, I guess, you know, let me think about this. If you don't have any connectivity, you're not trying to do anything online. So what difference does it make? I don't know. There's just that, that step. There has to be a better way, and I'm sure there will be soon. So with that, anything further for Bill here before we, because he's got other stuff to do probably in life. And why does, Fred, why do you keep typing in authenticator? We got it. We got it. It works if you don't have connectivity. So let's say you want to um, access oh. SSH on something and you don't have yeah. uh, connectivity. Well, you can use authenticator because it works um, based on uh, the ISO that works on time pass based on a sync, time sync. Oh, well, I'll have to look into that then. That's interesting. Because that was my main, one of my main things. I always, I thought that two-step was uh, an SMS, a text, an SMS, or I don't know what. It's no, an so alternate what channel, here right? Is, yeah. On this one, let's say, you know, um, and, and I love it on this one. So Google does it on, um, on Gmail. You can do it on, I use it for Stripe, which we do for payments here at uh, Bakery and also at Palmer. Mm -hmm. um, I use it for GitHub. Um, but, uh, you, when you sync it, you're syncing with their account and your account, you sync it at the same point. So now you have at the same hardware clock, uh, you now have, um, a sync. So now, um, based on that, the code, um, just automatically knows what numbers to, to go next. So based on your phone, you know, it's the same principle of a fob. Um, so based on your phone, uh, you mm -hmm. just look at it and you go, okay, well, now it's this. So you don't need connectivity to the Internet or anything like that. Um, and, and you just uh, connect to it and, and go. So it would work perfectly at Burning Man um, when you're switching uh, mobile signals because you just need your phone and it's going to sync up anytime. Um, it works perfectly for me here um, because for a long time I didn't have cell signal at the bakery, so I couldn't use any two-factor. Right. Um, and so Authenticator was it. Interesting. Well, I didn't know that. I'll have to look at that uh, more closely because uh, after my long rant. But it's true that it's just another step. And, you know, we're all a little lazy, I think, in that, in that aspect. I just recently changed, changed my, a couple of my passwords that were just so obvious. I'm going, like, how come any, nobody's even broken into this account after these couple of years of this stupid password? It wasn't like one, two, three, four or anything, but... It was almost that bad. And I'm looking at these a couple of Twitter accounts that I don't care that much about. And I'm looking at them going, how come nobody's broken into this account yet? Other than the fact that it's insignificant and nobody cares with, you know, 35 people following it or whatever. But still, you'd think they'd be sweeping around trying to get into every account they can to spam. Anyway, we're way off topic here now. Anything further for Bill uh, and uh, the Google Voice SIP gateway, which I re highly recommend you check into, by the way. And we've given the uh, the URL before, but I'm going to give it to you again. Go to simonics.com, and there you will see a link to the Google Voice Gateway. Check that out. Very modest fee. This isn't an ad or anything, but I did this, and I, you know, go opened the drawer and got all my spare change together and had like six something, whatever it is that you have to put in. It's, it's nothing to play around with this. And it has worked flawlessly since then. So I was on vacation. It was very, very handy. Uh, by the way, um, and this is totally related, not one of my usual digressions, 
Um, T-Mobile has now instituted a policy that Tim Panton and I were slightly complaining about earlier, which is that you can no longer keep a number over a year. The number will expire if you don't keep pumping money into it. That number will expire after a couple of months, according to T-Mobile. Uh, so this is prepaid. I mean, when you're going to the U.S. once a year, like I do. So um, my number will now change every year. So what's the solution? Give out the Google Voice number. Forward it to the cell when you're in the United States. Forward it to the SIP gateway when you're not. And it rings on my desk phone and on my other phone, uh, it, it, which is a SIP phone also, but it's a uh, decked phone in the house. Solution. Thank you, Bill, for that solution. Perfect. Very cool. I'm glad you find it useful. It is. Let's just hope it works next year. <laughs> that won't be on you if it doesn't, obviously. All right. Since uh, I haven't seen anybody popping up on any of the screens with any questions, we'll let you go, Bill. Thank you for uh, being a guest, and thank you for the service. It's a terrific idea. Appreciate you having me on this show. It's been uh, it's been fun talking about the service. Welcome, folks, to, to come check it out. Um, hey, if you spend your $6 and you really hate it, I'll give it back to you. No problem. <laughs> just, like, just give it a try. I think you'll like it. And I totally believe what you just said. So go for it. Check it out. If you don't like it, no, my phone, my password wasn't password, at least not with a capital P phone buff. <laughs> I fooled you, didn't I? No, they were they were eight, uh, four letters, four digits, but it was a real stupid password. Anyway, that's it for this week. We're going to move to the mature audiences section right about now. Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our host at PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week.